Welcome to Fierce and Beyond Flames, the podcast, with your host, Eleanor Hastings. I'm a claircognizant energy healer, empowerment astrologer, and language teacher living and working in London. Fierce and Beyond Flames is a podcast created to both invite and inspire honest conversation and to bring to light topics that I don't believe are being spoken about enough. Topics that will be discussed include an amazing mix of psychology, astrology, sociology, and of course, spirituality. I have so many ideas and so many guests lined up, and for this reason, I cannot thank you enough for being with me here on this journey. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Can you hear me? I'm fine. Very late over there right now. It's not too late. It's not too late. It's coming up to seven. It's fine. Um, amazing. So, yeah. So, um, let's start with the first question. Um, on your website and through the research and the videos and stuff that I was watching, um, obviously it says that you've spent like 30, was it 35, 36 years in, in conservation? Um, and I wanted to ask sort of how did you end up in Peru? And what type of work are you doing there? And describing yourself a little bit, um, and the work that you do. Yeah, of course. Well, I started. I'm German, first of all, and mm-hmm. I was born in Germany, and I lived in Germany until I was 30 years. And yeah. when I was 18, I started uh, working for Greenpeace in Germany. Mm-hmm. So that is how my activist conservation career started. And then I did some undercover research in laboratories in Germany. I created my own NGO over there. I started uh, working on dolphin conservation in general. And uh, I studied biology, of course, uh, over time. So uh, while doing that conservation work in Lima, uh, in in Germany, sorry, Mm -hmm. uh, at a time when there's still no Facebook and emails just had a non-formatted writing, no pictures, blah, blah, blah. We started making international networks with people all around the world that were working on the same topics. And I met a Peruvian lady, I fell in love, Mm -hmm. and I decided (laughs) to go to Peru with the years marry her. We were married like 14 years, and sadly it didn't work out that well Mm -hmm. anymore. Uh, So... uh, when I was coming here in 1998, uh, I first had to learn Spanish because I yeah, came without talking a word of Spanish. Yeah. And then in 1999, a year later, we created an NGO here that basically dolphin research, marine research, uh, dolphin conservation. Again, we did a lot of undercover work uh, because there was illegal dolphin killing going on. So mm-hmm. we worked with early, very, very early hidden cameras, worked yeah. with the police uh, and infiltrated that, that illegal trade. And then later on, 2013, I reported uh, in an undercover research on dolphin killing in, uh, in the shark fisheries in Peru. So I was on a fishing boat undercover mm-hmm. for a month and filmed this, this killing and uh, actually after 30 I don't know how many years of activist front front line conservation work uh, that experience was very traumatic for me yeah, and I, I took a break basically I took a break in 2014 um, 
And then I thought, okay, what else can I do? Uh, we had been looking at that time at uh, gold mm -hmm. uh, extraction, ecological gold extraction, not using chemicals. Yeah. But, but in the end, I decided not to do that because uh, that would have involved to travel in these gold areas and you would have to be armed to the teeth all the time, uh, mm -hmm. carrying guns and uh, endangering your life. And uh, after having so many years of conservation work with death threats and everything, I, I, I thought, no, that's not yeah, what I want to keep doing. <laughs> and mm -hmm. then we found Chrysocolla. By accident, we learned about Chrysocolla. Mm -hmm. uh, I bought uh, about three and a half tons of rough Chrysocolla rock. We uh, shipped that to the United States and within three... A very motivating experience mm -hmm. and then with my second wife in 2017 we created Gemrock uh, as a company in a very naive way uh, yeah. because we were not aware of the fact we were not aware of the fact at that time that uh, the entire industry is informal to illegal mm. and we were just opening up a legal business with all the costs involved and yeah. very fast began to recognize, oops, <laughs> we are much more expensive than all the others, and why is that? And uh, then it was very fast clear that if we wanted to make a legal business, paying taxes, paying labor benefits to workers, and doing everything the way you should do it, then we will not be able to compete price-wise uh, with the other Peruvian exporters. Mm -hmm. And the only way to actually do that and grow was to develop maximum quality, more expensive yeah. products so that uh, the quality of the product justifies the higher price. And that is basically what we have been trying to do over these four years. And I proudly can say without being arrogant that by <laughs> now we are delivering the highest quality products from Peru. Yeah, fantastic, amazing. How long has it taken you to to be able to say that, did, did you just say four years, more or less, that you've been able to... Well, yeah, the company has four years and I would say yeah. that it took me at least three years to mm -hmm. get to the level where we're at now. I mean, we, were, yeah. we got constantly better, but it's like, it's a learning experience that in that business you have no universities, no books, mm -hmm. nobody to study, nobody to teach you. Yeah. So you learn by breaking stones and machines and yeah. by buying other machines and trying other things and then at some point the, the stone is shining so much that, wow, it's, it's just got, you can't do it better anymore. And then, yeah. then you're at the level. No, amazing. Um, so obviously, so as you just said now, and I've watched lots of videos that you've uploaded onto YouTube um, to do with sort of before your Gemrock Peru, um, have you encountered any other yeah, have you ever, have you encountered any dangers or anything similar to what you had been experiencing when you were trying to do like ethical gold mining or conservation, like, or is your life fairly peaceful now, <laughs> for the most part? Well, it was very. Uh, excuse me. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I have to sign something. Sorry. Sure, sure, sure. Very sick. No problem. Okay, um, 
Well, it's um, let's say it this way. Mm -hmm. Till now, life has been relatively peaceful. Yeah. However, uh, we are uh, engaged in a for two years now in a broad project with a pyrite mine, mm -hmm. and that project should have been worked very well and should have created a lot of sustainable labor and work. But sadly, uh, the mine manager and we were not aware of the fact that there is a mafia involved. Mm, okay. So yeah. uh, that project is blocked now for mm. more than two years and we are not getting ahead with that because in the mine itself and outside, uh, basically involving sadly all the Peruvian exporters. Mm. Now, there's nobody that can say he's not involved. Uh, there is a yeah. organized crime mafia for exporting pyrite, uh, which is basically stolen from the night from the mine. Yeah. yeah. So about 95% of the pyrite that you find nowadays globally on the market. So we're talking about a lot of pyrite. Mm is stolen from one mine because pyrite is coming internationally pyrite is coming from peru nobody nobody yeah. else is putting pyrite on the market a part of the spanish mine that is producing these cubes so basically peru is covering nearly 100 percent of the global demand on pyrite and yeah. nearly all of this comes stolen from that mine so okay. uh, we're now uh, up against this and uh, a few, two weeks ago the uh, lawyer of the mine has and you are the first one to actually hear that mm -hmm. a lawyer of the mine has launched a uh, how do you call that in English when you denounce a crime to a state prosecutor I don't know what the word is but he has made the written document mm -hmm. and he put it over to the state prosecutor mm -hmm. denouncing basically all other Peruvian crystal exporters, with the exemption of us, okay. to be part of a network of organized crime yeah. involving drugs and crystals. Fine. So this is a tremendous hit against the image and the business of yeah. basically everybody else. Mm -hmm. And as we are mentioned as the only legal, by contract, legal exporter of pyrite, because we're the only ones that have a contract with the mine, I now need to fear that there will be repercussions and uh, we're already sure. carrying our gun again. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's going mm -hmm. to be become very dangerous this year because we are messing up with a multi-million dollar business of people. Yeah, I understand. All right then. Fine. Um, is there any type of... Um Obviously, for me, that that's really fascinating that that you said that, and it's very interesting. Um, I, d I never knew that that fact to do with pyrite, and how I obviously we know that there's like dodgy stuff that happens, but a lot of the times, like people that are really interested in crystals, we sort of turn our eye and we look the other way because of how pretty it looks and stuff like this. So this is why I wanted to record this actually because I want people to know that. Is deeper. It goes. It runs so much deeper. That this this topic. It's, it's not just about pretty crystals and making your room look nice. No, it's yeah, fascinating. Um, fine. Okay. So experiencing some danger perhaps this this year. I understand. All right then. Um, another question as well that I was thinking about was, from the start. In did did you start your business in two thousand seventeen? 
wasn't it? That's right, January yeah. 2017. Yeah, so from that period, obviously nowadays crystal crystals in general are just super popular. Has that reflected on your business? Like have you like have were you expecting the, the popularity that you've had with crystals or did it take you by surprise? Well, it definitely in, in combination with the pandemic has been a roller coaster ride yeah, all the yeah, time. Yeah, of course. Um, uh, when we started the business, basically the business was based on selling to other wholesalers mm -hmm. in other countries or going to a gym show in the United States or yeah. Germany or the big ones, you know. So going to a gym show from for a small company from here is is commercially prohibitive. It's so expensive and so risky mm -hmm. that we basically couldn't do it. So we yeah. were restricted of selling to wholesalers in other countries. And wholesalers in other countries are not interested in letting you earn a lot of money. So the profit margins are pressured down to the bottom mm -hmm. and they don't like quality. They want it cheap so that they can sell it very expensive. Yeah. Their only thing is the interest of making a very high profit margin. And you cannot sell to them the idea of ethical mining. It's just not possible. So that was one of the, and probably the main reason that for the first three years we did not grow. Mm -hmm. We just barely survived. We had to put a lot of money in there. Uh, I cannot tell you how much debt <laughs> I have right now. Yeah. Yeah, I'll probably pay the next 10 years my debt. Yeah, but if you have a business idea, you have to just do that. Yeah. So for us, as terrible as it sounds, the pandemic was the liberation and the start of the business. Mm. Okay. Because the pandemic yeah. caused that no gem shows could be made. Mm -hmm. And when no gem shows can be made, then all the little businesses cannot buy from the wholesalers anymore. Yeah. So as we have a triple development here of new internet businesses coming up, because people are sitting at home and starting new businesses, yeah. in combination with the boom of the esoteric idea of energies and stones that yes. made much more internet business coming up, in combination with the fact that no gem shows were made and the wholesalers lost their their importance, mm -hmm. these small businesses now looked for providers directly in the countries where the crystals come from. Yeah. And that made us survive the pandemic with a lot of small clients, most of them startups and new mm -hmm. businesses. So we can say we survived thanks to the startups. Why we, that is why we have an idea of supporting startups okay. as much as we can as a business so they can grow and with them we grow. Yeah, I'm fine. So what we need as a business that is expensive because our stones are expensive because we do it ethically we pay all these labor costs and all the other things that you would expect as a worker we need to avoid the wholesaler mm -hmm. we need to get a direct contact yeah. to the retail shop and become a wholesaler ourselves and that is basically the, the, the move that we have been making last year and we had last year an explosive growth mm -hmm. so last year was the first year we were breaking even yeah. And we are hoping that this will continue 
uh, the clients are very happy with our products and we hope that we grow and get new clients so that next this year we finally get into profit yeah no fantastic amazing with um one thing that i've found really quite quite an interesting topic when i'm thinking of ethics and morals and uh, like you said esoteric stuff um is mixing business and entrepreneurship and obviously making money because we don't want to be in debt and then ensuring that the ethics are there and ensuring that everyone gets paid as they should and ensuring that the stones are mined ethically um how easy or how difficult is that for you to blend those two they feel like almost opposing sort of energies opposing ideas together to do with making money but also at the same time keeping things equal and fair and like just yeah well i i, I... It's not that difficult. It's, yeah. a, it's a learning experience, I think. Mm -hmm. You know, the first thing is there's very little known. I mean, people don't think about where the crystals are coming from. Yes. Yeah. So it's not. A, so they're not even looking for the information. Yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. the entire ethical, uh, the entire energy thing is just selling the energy of the stone. Yes. But it's not touching the topic of where the stone comes from. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So I think that is wrong. I think that is wrong because. If we talk about energy and the stones being sensitive and energetic, then it should matter how the stone was was excavated. Yes. If there were children yeah. work involved, if there were uh, bad labor practices involved, it it's all part of the energy, I mm -hmm. think. Mm -hmm. So if you want to have a world that is better with with positive energies, then you cannot sell a product that comes out of such a negative yeah, scheme of business. Yeah. yeah. So that's a general opinion of mine. However, um, as we see it right now, the word ethical source is mm. a fashion word. Everybody has it yes. on its mind. Yeah. Everybody sells like that. But if you dig deeper, then n most of these businesses cannot give you any proof mm -hmm. that any of Definitely. their stones really is ethical. Yeah. yeah. So it's the danger that we are running here is that this becomes a marketing word without any content. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So what is required urgently is to set up kind of a quality uh, certification internationally mm. that uh, makes sure that the people that sell ethically mined uh, crystals, they actually are transparent about where the crystals come from mm -hmm. and they have written paper trail proof that this is really the fact. Mm -hmm. And the uh, mining operations, they need to start complying with criteria of uh, no child labor, uh, all the contracts have to be uh, written contracts, they have to pay labor benefits, they have to pay health health insurance and life insurance to their workers. Mm -hmm. I mean, mining is very dangerous, yeah. so um, all these costs have to be in there and they have to be transparent. Now, setting this up will be very difficult because, as I said, there's no certification system existing at the moment. And as long as we don't have that, nobody actually has proof. Mm -hmm. So yeah. it's for a consumer nowadays very, very difficult to find out if the word ethical source means anything or if it's just a marketing blah. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So in that situation, the fact that there's more interest in ethical sourcing does help us mm -hmm. because it's exactly what we're doing. Yeah. yeah. 
but the difficulty of not having uh, a certification system runs against us because everybody can say it. I mean, we know that we are doing mm -hmm. it because we have now started our own mining operations. A part of the contracts that we have with other miners, yeah. so we are starting to take control over the entire production chain. Yeah. And if some comes to me, I can always show him the working contracts and all the taxes and all the stuff that we are paying. Mm -hmm. I have no problem with, with opening that information. Yeah. So we have proof of what we're saying. Yeah. And of course, the fact that I have a 35 years career of conservation makes me what kind of person I am as a general manager. So there must be some interest in that <laughs> kind of things, you know. Yeah. However, um, it is required, and I think that's the goal for the future, to set up such a certification system. I'm happy that I met with uh, one client of ours that has a crystal business in Hawaii, mm -hmm. and uh, she is in the process of building a certification system. So yeah. I hope that she can launch this over the course of this year, and then, Amazing. of course, we will be the first ones that will apply for certification. Incredible. How does that certification process even, even work? Like, like you said, your client in Hawaii, how does one even go about doing that, like, and it being worldwide and applying for everywhere? The certification, well, I mean, there, it's, it's all based on paper trail. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. If, if you want to uh, be certificate, certificate, uh, certified, mm -hmm. then I guess what he will ask for is a lot of documentation. So you would have to prove, sure. first of all, that you're a legal company. Mm-hmm. So you would have to uh, send your, your documentation of being inscribed in the public register for yeah. companies. That's the first step. Then the next step would be that all your providers also have to be legal. So yeah. it's either your own mining company or the miner himself has to be in Peru. He has to be registered at least as a mm -hmm. person in the Ministry of Mining as a miner. Okay. That is a document that you can ask for and then you know, okay, that's not just some guy running around in the mountains digging for crystal. That's a registered miner. So there is some governmental control over that. Then, of course, you have to somehow find a way to make clear that in the mining, no children works, uh, mm -hmm. no children labor is, is uh, done. So in the end, for a good certification system, you also need like kind of supervision. Sure. You need to have people that travel to the place uh, unannounced and actually look at the place, yes. you know. Yeah. Then it's getting costly because that certification will cost money, mm -hmm. yeah. So it's a, it's a thing that you have to develop slowly, slowly. Basically, you need to uh, elaborate a paper trail of uh, bankerized payments, not cash payments, of contracts, of uh, working contracts that will go together in a kind of a collection of documentation of paper trail mm -hmm. that then will have to be sent to the certifying organization. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because so. the, uh, the most difficult thing for the for the informal and illegal businesses is they don't have a paper trail. It's all cash. Yeah. So as long as you can't provide a paper trail, don't tell me anything about you are you are being ethical because. Yeah. Well, why don't you have a paper trail? <laughs> no, I understand. I think this, I'm happy that you raised this um, this point just because this is something that I've experienced. Like, like actually, in, I suppose, lockdown, um, when I began to start thinking of wanting, I had time, I wanted to like make a bit extra money and have like a little side business and everything. And yeah, 
quote-unquote ethical crystals are so popular <laughs> and I was messaging various crystal sellers in London in the UK and I'd ask them just very politely like is what's your um, supplier or where do you and they wouldn't tell me and that's a problem in itself they're, they're labeling it as ethical crystals but they won't share with people where they get the ethical crystals from and yeah so it's frustrating it's frustrating for sure um, and that's why I wanted to have this conversation and when I share it I hope hope and pray that lots of people listen to it especially within this esoteric spiritual community um, yeah it's a bit <laughs> it's hard to swallow I feel like this this truth but <laughs> it needs to be done no yeah, there is a basic thing one has to understand yeah. and that is of course if you don't if you're not in the business you just don't know that yes but you look at mining for example it's not like gold or silver gold or silver looks the same no mm. matter if you mined in india in africa yeah. or whatever you you make a gold thing and then it looks gold you know mm -hmm. but with stones that's very different because stones are much more rare than gold yeah. so if i have a piece of cola for example from peru then I can tell you by just looking at the sphere from what mine, from what miner comes that sphere. Okay. Because each vein looks different. Okay, cool. It has a different combination of colors. Yeah. So, uh, and each of these veins is very small. Mm -hmm. So you maybe get out 20 tons or 30 tons and that's it. Yeah. And you have to look for oh. another one. So if your resource is so limited, then you are not interested in telling anybody where you mm. get it from. Okay, yeah, got you. Yeah. So the miner itself will not tell me <laughs> where it is his mine because yes. I could drive at night into the desert sure. and grab a ton of his material. Yeah. Because he's not going to sit in the, in the mine all, he, all day, you know? Mm -hmm. So he's not interested in telling me. And I am not interested in telling anybody else where I get, from which miner I get my crystal cola, yeah, because then anybody course. else will go there and buy there, and I can't get it anymore, and the price yeah. will go up. Yeah. So there is a natural tendency for secrecy in that business, where nobody mm -hmm. will give you any kind of information. Yeah. So the only way to do that is a certification system, where the certification entity keeps absolute secrecy about the sources but mm -hmm. has the paper trip. Sure. Yeah. So you need to have kind of an intermediate guarantee because otherwise nobody will give you that information that you are require. Yeah, no, I understand, I understand. With, with this um, certification and this certified body um, or entity, um, how how much faith do you have that it will be able to be created? Because obviously, like you said earlier, with the pyrite, that's been put on hold for two years and with all of this implications with mafia and stuff like that. Do you feel like they'd be eventually able to create like a certification for, for this? Well, a certification entity can be an NGO. Yeah, uh, okay. Yeah. Need to create. Uh, if my friend in Hawaii uh, puts it up to to get that thing going over the year, uh, then that's a good start. Mm -hmm. Then the next question is how many crystal dealers will actually adopt the system because it means an additional cost to get certified. Yeah. Uh, maybe they feel it's not worth it. Maybe they feel it's easier to just go on with the marketing, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. But in the end, I think in the long term, I mean, we have seen that in diamonds, we have seen it in other things, yes. you know, yeah. the famous movie Blood Diamonds changed a lot. 
in the end, the certification system will grow, but it will stay always a small niche mm. because we, I mean, I have been working for over 10 years in ecotourism and I can tell you there's tons of ecotourism uh, certification systems and you can have them all. In the end, the client that makes the holiday will not pay more money just because it's ecologically. Sure. Yeah, okay. the, 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 truth, the, the, the sad truth is that the certification and being allowed ecologically gives you an advantage over your competitors as long as your price is the same. Yes, okay. Yeah. And that is the same problem that we will have in stones. Mm -hmm. Our stones are more expensive. Yeah. So being certified will not give us an advantage. We will always sell to the market that is looking for quality. And that's sure. a much smaller market than the entire uh, uh, things. And the guys that are not working ethically will always sell their cheap crap, sorry for the word, <laughs> to okay. uh, a consumer yeah. that is interested in buying a cheap crystal. Yeah. So as long as we, as, as our consumers around the world are not changing their attitude, any kind of initiative of ethical uh, mining will have it very difficult mm -hmm. because we finally need to understand you cannot have it cheap and ethical at the same time. It's just not possible. If you want it ethical, if you want it fair trade, if you want it environmentally friendly, you will have to pay the cost that these measures in the production process are causing. Mm -hmm. And that means you will have to pay more money. Yeah, yeah I understand. That, that was my next question as well. Mm -hmm. yeah, it's a consumer decision in the end. Yeah. No, exactly. I was going to ask the question about consumers now. I think um, it just seems year on year, like just people want cheaper, 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 as cheap as they can, as low as it can be, not just for crystals, but for everything, just everything in life. Like even for me, I'm a teacher and I have set prices. I teach Spanish, I teach English and constantly people want cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. And I've spent my whole life learning Spanish. <laughs> like I need to get paid properly for it now. It's the same with crystals. Um, and just everything in general no um with regards to consumers what what would you say or what would you ask like people listening um who may listen to this podcast what would you ask of them um with regards to when they're looking for crystals and buying them well i i think it's it's a hard to swallow reality but yeah. we have to face the fact that in developing countries and near developed countries like Peru. Uh, there is a huge amount of um, economy that is illegal and informal, doesn't pay taxes, etc., yeah. etc. And I just would imagine, I would, I would consumers to imagine if they would like to work 16 hours a day, getting paid for the result, not having health insurance, not having life insurance, not having retirement benefits, not having vacations and risking their health working in, in very unhealthy labor conditions. If they would like to work like that, then they should buy a cheap crystal. But if they like to work like in Europe and the United mm -hmm. States, they should be giving other people the same chance. Yeah. And the only way to do that is to pay all these costs that are involved for a company with providing that service to the laborers. Yeah. So it's coming back to a basic ethical 
moral principle. Don't do to others what you don't want to be done to yourself. Mm -hmm. And if we just all could follow that, and instead of 10 crystals, just buy two or three really beautiful ones, Mm -hmm. then all the world would gain from that. You would have more, more beautiful crystals in your home. They would come out of an ethically really positive energy business Mm -hmm. and would make sure that people in other countries get a fair salary for for what they work and the world will be better off for everybody yeah no perfect i think you summarized that perfectly um amazing so what's the um what's the future of gemrock peru like what's like you said you had certain certifications you're working with your client in hawaii and everything and you mentioned the the lawsuit no with the lawyer and the pyrite and everything but what else do you have any other plans any other projects what's the future looking like for for gemrock peru well, let's assume that i'm not getting killed over the, over the course <laughs> of the year which yes is, which of is, course which is which is not a, a fantasy option. It's, it's, we'll have to be very careful yeah. if that comes out. Um, but we as a company, we're trying to be uh, growing into different directions mm. and be very diversified. So we have now managed to get in the classical products of spheres, hearts, yeah. uh, stones to highest quality possible. So there's nothing we can advance on this side anymore. Mm-hmm. We're now uh, going into producing jewelry. Yeah. Yeah. So we are having the first jewelry lines, and again, the sterling silver is real sterling silver, no lead, no nickel, no gold, <laughs> no, uh, toxic stuff. And yeah. We found a partner that can guarantee uh, making our silver stuff, and we Amazing. make the, the stones, and we're making our own jewelry. We're going to venture into uh, decor, home decor products. Mm-hmm. So we're now making cell phone holders and uh, yeah. we're planning for watches and lights and candle holders. Mm-hmm. So non-classical stone products, yeah. high value products that you will not find in the typical uh, uh, cheap store, but in the gallery area. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So these are the two products that we are going, product lines that we're going to go into very massively uh, this year, jewelry and uh, home decor to just widen the, the, the client base that we can have. And on the mining side, we have running our, our first uh, mining uh, uh, business or mining operation for crystals, basically, not for carved products, but natural crystals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And well, our goal is to raise more money and get more investors and uh, uh, open up more crystal and uh, gem rock, uh, gemstone mining operations by ourselves yeah. all over the country and uh, sell high quality crystals you know, to collectors and uh, nowadays the market for natural crystals is more and more becoming like the art market people are buying mm-hmm. very costly crystals for yeah. 10,000, 20,000, 30,000 dollars as a investment of value yes. i mean like yeah. with a piece of art they're buying this now in order to resell it in 10 years for triple the price or mm-hmm. triple the price it's a very interesting movement that has not been there before it's not the classical yeah. geologist collector anymore it's a mm-hmm. investor that nowadays yeah. buys the rare crystals so there's a lot of business to be done on this line too and we're developing in, into this too so 
our recipe for growth is branching out into new niches, new markets, new mm -hmm. products. Yeah. And of course, amazing. all this has to be done in Africa. Yes, amazing. The um, I think when you sent me the the catalog and I saw the home decor, actually, it looks beautiful. I love everything to do with home decor now. It looks really stunning, really unusual and really different. Like like you said, never seen it before. You won't find it in just some random crystal shop. No, it's beautiful, it's gorgeous. And yeah, it's true. I've noticed in, in London, there's this incredible crystal gallery called Venus Rocks, I believe. Um, and they have the most stunning pieces. And every so often I go online and I see like the prices and I'm like, wow, <laughs> it's in the tens of thousands now. It's crazy. Um, amazing perfect so yeah i think that's all the questions for, for the podcast i think that's i think that's a really good conversation and that's an amazing way to leave it um i can't wait to to post it for everyone to listen because i know it's going to be a little bit triggering <laughs> for people it's going to be like you said hard hard truth to swallow but i think it's it's going to be really good so i'm going to end so, so link and yeah. I, will, I will run it through our entire network and promote yeah. it amazing